Self-talk matters. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's Parenting Podcast. One of the best messages we can give to our children is self-talk matters. The self-talk of today is heavily influenced by the internalized self-talk of the past. It's the messages we learned growing up that makes the biggest difference. It is during those windows of emotional development that makes the, a huge difference in the impact in the internalized messages that then come out later in life. Look, some clown at Chipotle with road rage is not going to bother you. You can easily drop his comments with no problem. Maybe you got angry, maybe it took you 15 minutes to physiologically calm down, but outside of telling your spouse or buddy, it has little effect. Yet, why do the old ghosts, the old negatives from a long time ago still haunt us? Most likely, it's from our family of origin. If you internalize negative messages, those are hurts. Those hurts are human, unresolved responses to trauma. And I'm not talking about car accident hurts. I'm talking about uh, those little hurts, those big hurts, those emotional wounds from your parents. Over 200 conversations uh, over the past month with people. And most, if not all, have wounds from the past. And some of these are internalized. And they're never, you know, from the the road rage person at Chipotle or, uh, you know, some old boss. It's usually those closest to us. And so this is a reminder of the powerful impact we have on our children. Because current wounds and hurts can affect our children long-term. Look, self-talk matters. I want to talk about some of the importance of trying to help our children with the whisperings of their heart, with those quiet whisperings in our conscious, with those uh, thoughts that happen automatically, right? If I disagree, will I experience yelling? Those intermediate beliefs, those attitudes, assumptions, rules, like in our family, do we or do we initiate evaluations, criticisms, and judgments of others? Do we do we go into attack mode first, or are we vulnerable using I statements? And if you've read Brene Brown's writings, it's really about when two people are vulnerable with each other there's a sense of connection that happens. That's where connection happens. But the things that get in the way, those assumptions, those rules, those evaluations, those judgments, those criticisms, those get in the way of true connection. And the pathway to connection is vulnerability. So it's out of our loving relationship where they internalize those deep, Uh, messages of self-compassion, and learning how to be gentle with ourselves. We want to give strong beliefs, and we want to teach our children positive attitudes and positive self-talk. Look, self-talk matters. And one way uh, we can do this with our children is helping them to separate thoughts from feelings. So here's a small uh, example that sometimes comes up in my conversations with others. They may say, I feel unlovable. Look, when you attach the word feel 
to a belief. It makes it more true. So I feel unlovable. Is unlovable a feeling? No. Think about your feelings. I feel angry. That's true about you if you indeed feel angry. I feel sad. An understandable response in the face of loss, in response to loss. That's true about you. You feel sad. I feel happy. That's how you feel. So these are indeed your feelings. These are true about you if you're aware of how you feel. When we attach the word feel to a belief, like I feel unlovable, we make it more true. The fact is, unlovable is not a feeling. It's a belief. It's a thought. Now, a person may believe that they are unlovable. Perhaps they experienced rejection at some point. Perhaps they were told. Perhaps they experienced conditional love. And if they didn't receive, if they didn't get that accomplishment or that award, they didn't experience love and emotional support. Uh, and so it was removed, love was removed because they didn't receive that award. That's conditional love. Um, and so at times they uh, experienced being unloved. Somehow they interpret from some past, they came to this belief that I am unlovable. However, it's a, it's a belief and that can change, that can shift. We can look for the evidence of how I am indeed lovable. But when we attach I feel to the belief unlovable, well, unlovable is not a feeling. Unlovable is a belief. What we want to do is to look for evidence of how we are indeed lovable. And the fact is you are. The fact is your children are. They are lovable. So it's a small thing, but separating thoughts from feelings really makes a significant impact in the lives of our language and in the lives of our self-talk. Additionally, Separating preferences from sh shoulds or musts. So I must get a perfect score versus I prefer. We definitely want to convey messages to our children that uh, we have preferences, but we want to eliminate shoulds or musts. It's the shoulds or the musts. Sometimes that's attached to conditional love. Sometimes uh, this absolutistic language uh, infiltrates uh, our family, uh, your family, and and so someone can develop the belief of perfectionism. Is uh, perfectionism is a, is a demand? Perfectionism is expected. Uh, so, but we, what we want to do, in terms of the context of self compassion and gentleness with ourselves. And with the powerful three-word phrase, self-talk matters, we want to move away from shoulds or musts. And we want to separate these from our preferences. Finally, I want to talk about catastrophizing. 
I often refer to catastrophizing as one of the key cognitive distortions that elevate anxiety. In fact, it turns anxiety into a panic attack. It's a common type of thinking. What happens though is when catastrophizing, the importance of a problem is exaggerated. The worst possible outcome is assumed to be true. What we want to do is teach our children to learn to question their own thoughts and learn to correct some of our cognitive distortions. And some of the cognitive distortions include catastrophizing. And so some questions that can help are the following. What are you worried about? How likely is it that your worry will come true? Give examples of past experiences or other evidence to support your answer. If your worry does come true, what's the worst that could happen? If your worry does come true, what's, what's most likely to happen? It's helpful to recognize the, the likelihood of, uh, you know, what is, so I understand that this is the worst case scenario that you're going to get fired from Walgreens uh, if you request time off and uh, or from Walmart and the teenager refuses to request the time off for the SAT score or for the SAT test and it means you're going to be fired and then you won't be able to put that on your resume and that's going to affect the job application and it means you won't get into your preferred school because you have a limited work experience and you're not a balanced broad student who also managed work and responsibilities and this means you're not going to get a job and you're going to be stuck at Walmart for the next five years but you also won't have that job so you won't be stuck at Walmart you'll be stuck back at uh, working at uh, Dairy Queen uh, and but they may not hire you and here you are stuck in your parents' basement, no work, no college, no uh, relationships, all your friends moved away, uh, and you stuck playing video games. And you can see kind of where that process takes a person. They catastrophize. And so it's helpful to say, okay, what are you worried about? How likely is it that your worry will come true? If your worry does come true, what's the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that could happen? And if your worry does come true, like uh, like uh, you can't get that time off, uh, what's most likely to happen? Well, I think we'll have to reschedule the SAT test for, you know, two weeks later. Not the end of the world. Uh, and so learning to be flexible on that in that case example. So that's an example of using questions uh, to correct, uh, to sort of challenge or catastrophizing. And uh, so self-talk matters. Self-compassion is helping us to live victoriously. Being gentle with ourselves. Separating thoughts from feelings. Learning to eliminate shoulds and musts. And learning gradually to decatastrophize. These are things that we can help our children as they enter into the years of the tweens and as teens and as uh, post high school in college 
uh, lots of exciting adventures arise in self-talk matters. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's parenting podcast on self-talk matters. Thank you.